Hello, Husky fans, and welcome to another episode of the Yukon Pod. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm here with Dan Connolly and Thomas Fritch. A uh, lot of great stuff to talk about on this week's episode. First and foremost, we have some great, some good news uh, for once, which is uh, exciting. Yukon men's basketball landed a marquee recruit. That would be four-star wing Andre Jackson from Albany, New York. He's a 6'6", high-flying playmaker uh, who chose UConn over Iowa, UCLA, and, of course, that team right in his backyard, Syracuse University. Um, Syracuse fans were pretty much locking Jackson in to go over there and pretty disappointed to find out that that would be the case. Definitely we're not getting crazy mad online. Um, but uh, just first and foremost, uh, Tom, what, what do we think about just the kind of pickup this is for, for UConn in the 2020 class? I think uh, it's it's a huge, huge pickup for, for UConn and especially for what Dan Hurley and, and the rest of the staff want to do uh, with this team going forward, um, especially with uh, their return to the Big East. Uh, the 2020 class is going to be kind of their inaugural uh, recruiting class as they play their uh, first season back in the Big East. And Andre Jackson is a huge building block for that class. I mean, you got a guy – who is six foot six, yeah, one ninety. He's a little bit skinny right now, but just his long arms and just his athleticism is just going to be a perfect fit for the Big East and what UConn wants to do. Um, it's pretty exciting. I don't think we've had anyone as athletic as Andre Jackson in a long time. Nothing really gets UConn Twitter going like beating Syracuse in something basketball related. So. Twitter after his commitment was just on fire. It was just beautiful watching the Syracuse takes come in of them just totally being like, we're not mad. We're not mad. UConn's not a rival. We don't care about UConn. We're just going to write 2000 words on why we're really not mad that he's going to UConn. I mean, it, from all accounts from the other side, it seemed like Syracuse really thought he was locked in like an easy, don't even really have to put much effort into him type of recruit. And for UConn to swoop in with, really, he was a top target of Hurley's when he came over to UConn. But from his uh, interviews today, it seemed like the interest really picked up when UConn announced they were joining to the Big East. So UConn basically got a guy who is, for all, for all accounts, locked into going to Syracuse to flip to UConn from the span of June until now. So, I mean... As exciting as it is to get a really good player like Jackson is, it's so much better that Syracuse is just having a meltdown over it. Yep, yeah. So some fun facts about uh, the newest Husky commit. He was born in Amsterdam and uh, first dunked in sixth grade, which uh, sounds about right. If you've ever if you've seen any of his highlights, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. There's a guy who has been dunking since, <laughs> since he was 11 years old. Um, I also read 3.5 GPA, so that's um, you know one of those things where you're like, man, this dude is just just good at a lot of stuff. Uh, so that's good to see. And uh, stuck with one high school and one AAU team for the entirety of his uh, playing career, which in the year of our Lord 2019 is actually quite a rarity. So I think a lot of uh, 
ancillary things to like about Jackson. One other thing that stood out, Dave Borges tweeted a quote from Jackson citing the impact of the fact that UConn would be in the Big East. So UConn's decision earlier this summer to make that move, uh, which required a lot of financial commitment and et cetera, et cetera, uh, already paying dividends, which I think is really exciting when you think about the trajectory of this program under Dan Hurley. Of course, we believed that Hurley was a really good person for the job and that even in the American that he would probably be able to get UConn going in a, in a good direction. But uh, early returns already on this move to the Big East. So I think that also gives us a lot more excitement for the future. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Amon. I think um, I put this out earlier, but you can just see just by the numbers right now um, for the commits in both the Big East and the American for 2020, um, the Big East across the board and, and the and 24-7 sports rivals and ESPN is just outpacing the AAC uh, in terms of uh, recruits and commits. Um, and I think there's no way that – UConn would land Andre, Johnson, uh, Andre Jackson if they were still in the American. Uh, yeah, I think they'd still make the top five and they'd probably still get a visit. But I think UConn was so easy to recruit against when they were playing down in Texas so much and just it, it wasn't working. It wasn't working for local recruits. And yeah, there was, I think you're right, Amon, that Dan Hurley could kind of um, – kind of recruit against that and just be fine with that. But the Big East is just such a nice ace in your pocket. And uh, I think that kind of shows with what Andre Andre Jackson – sorry, let me just try that again – with Andre Jackson. And, yeah, it's it's really exciting. And um, it kind of reminds me – I want to kind of go back a little bit, but this entire recruiting process, how you kind of like swooped in and just plucked Andre Jackson out of uh, Syracuse's backyard. It really reminds me of what Kentucky did to UConn with Hamadou Diallo. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is just like payback in a way, not necessarily to Kentucky, but just um, it feels really good to be able to do that to another school and to have that school be Syracuse is just absolutely fantastic. Of course. And yeah, I mean, I think you brought up a good point about being in a lot of top fives. I think we felt that a lot during the Ollie era in the and the AAC it was just man we see UConn in the top five for a lot of these really good recruits Hamadou Diallo um Mo Bamba uh the Cam Reddish Cam Reddish and um without you know naming I mean I just named some names so (laughs) but um you know there was a lot of stuff I heard from people uh kind of a little bit more plugged in in the recruiting world that you know, UConn in the Big East would have had a much better shot with those guys. And, that's, and it's not surprising to hear that, you know. Uh, as we guessed when the Big East news came out, uh, if you're a kid from anywhere between Philadelphia all the way up 95 north to Boston, the, the UConn in the Big East is a much more attractive proposition than UConn in the AAC. There's no, um, you know, there's no question about that. So, uh, I think it's just, again, already so promising to see uh, that already paying off. Uh, Jackson is 
ranked number 70 in the 24-7 composite rankings, uh, number 75 uh, by rivals, four-star recruit by all of them. So not, um, you know, definitely not the highest rated recruit UConn has brought in, but a very, very good one and one that, uh, again, because of the circumstances, uh, gives UConn fans a lot to be happy with and and made Dan Hurley so happy that he tweeted a uh, Rocky gif out. So I think that's uh, just all, all really good stuff. That Rocky Four, I believe, from, from the training montage of Rocky Four. So um, good to know that Hurley's also a fan of that, of that series. So what do we think about, um, you know, the rest of the class of 2020? I think UConn fans were pretty nervous that there were no commitments. Jackson is the first one. Uh, UConn has one spot remaining. Uh, who do you think is in the mix for that one uh, scholarship opening? Um, so it looks like, uh, from reports that were coming out before Jackson committed, it sounded like they wanted to get a wing and a big, uh, well, they got their wing with Andre Jackson. So it looks like with one scholarship remaining, they're going to kind of put all their efforts and focus on getting a big for this class. Um, they're in the mix with a few, uh, bigs. They've got a couple of official visits coming down the pike for them. Uh, Dylan Cardwell, uh, I think he's a guy out of Georgia. Uh, big guy. He's a center, 6'10", uh, 230 pounds, ranked in the top 115 on rivals. I think he's uh, taken an official visit to UConn this weekend. And then uh, UConn's also in the mix with a possible reclass from the 2021 uh, recruiting class, Javante Brown-Ferguson. Uh, this guy, I think, has taken official visits to, uh, I want to say, Kansas and Texas Tech. And he's going to be visiting UConn towards the end of October. So it seems like UConn's in a really good position to land either one of those guys. Um, outside of those two, the really big fish in the, in the center class is Cliff Omarui. Um, he's a top 50 guy. And he just recently cut his list down to 13. Uh, so I wouldn't really call it a cut list. Um, yeah. And uh, he's it, – it, it's it, – goes from Arizona State to Auburn, UConn's on that list, and Kentucky's on that list. So uh, a lot of schools involved there. So we, I think he just announced that he's not going to commit until the spring too. So um, UConn's in the mix with some really good big players, and I think we'll have another uh, a center uh, commit before this class is done. Well, exciting stuff. Always good to get, uh, to get those recruiting juices flowing. We get uh, news. Is, it kind of comes few and far between uh, in, in – hoops, but uh, this was definitely an exciting piece. Just taking a look at the team right now, um, it's really an interesting season for the Huskies. They are, they are replacing Jalen Adams, uh, or at least, sorry, Jalen Adams is gone. Uh, and, but otherwise, the rest of that core returns. And we talked about this a little bit in the past, but uh, not with you, so we'll just ask you, Tom. But, um, you know, how do you how are you thinking about expectations for the team this season? It's got to be 
I think with Hurley, it's got to be a tournament appearance, or at least on the bubble this year. Um, and I think NIT would be all right. Uh, but I'm really thinking that this is a team that kind of that has the pieces to be an NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament team, uh, especially with the freshman class coming in. Um, and, and now you have Christian Vital and Altari Gilbert. It's looking like those two are going to be our senior leaders this year. And then just like the, the team around them, I think you have enough good, like pretty great pieces that has the makes and uh, looks of an NCAA tournament team. Um, it's one of those things where I think it's a tough schedule this year um, with Florida, Indiana, um, and Memphis uh, coming in. It's, I think there's enough solid teams on the schedule this year for you kind of pick up a couple of good wins and have a, have a good resume for um, selection Sunday. Yeah. Connolly, we saw that they put up the, uh, the AAC tournament trophy uh, as, as motivation for the team this year. How do you feel about that goal? And just in general, you know, competing in the AAC this year? Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question, tournament or regular season. A lot of it's going to depend on guys making jumps like Tyler Polly, Sid Wilson, Josh Carlton continuing to improve. And then also just Altry Gilbert's health. Even though his shoulder stayed healthy last year, he still missed a big chunk of the year with a different type of shoulder issue with the concussion. So if he gets injured, I really have a hard time thinking the team is going to be able to survive without him for an extended period of time. But if you look around the conference, it's not like there's anyone that's really standing out besides Memphis. And even with Memphis, they have a ton of top recruits on that team. And they've got a coach who's only in their second year in Penny Hardaway. So I have a hard time really buying into them being an elite team this year. So I think if those guys continue to improve like like we've seen them do since Hurley's gotten here and they can avoid those bad losses like at Tulsa or like the Tuesday night games at Temple that we just always seem to lose mm-hmm. I think I think it's at least in the question that they can be competing for the regular season title and then if we've got a good team going into the AAC tournament I mean I'm always going to feel good with UConn in a tournament so I think it's possible, but at the same time, I'm not exactly going to get my hopes up just because of the way UConn basketball has gone the last few years. It's hard to kind of get the scars, I guess, away. No, it's definitely been a tough couple of years, but I think the most promising thing about last year was just that we saw them playing actual basketball and looking like they were practicing together. Uh, which unfortunately was not really the case uh, the, in, in the previous couple of years. Um, Tom, what do you think about the AAC field? I mean, you know, there's also Houston was good last year. Cincinnati's always pretty good. Anyone else worry you out there? I think um, South Florida. Like, it's strange to say Whoa. that. I did right. not expect to hear right. that. No, I, I know. It's strange to say that, but they were actually a pretty decent team last year. And I think they got pretty far in when they went to NIT or was it, maybe it was the CBI. I'm not sure which one it was, but South Florida, they, especially with last year, how they were the first team we lost them in the first AAC game last year. 
Mm-hmm. It's just I think it's just one of those things that's going to be a thorn on our side, and I think they're going to be a pretty good defensive team this year. Um, yeah, and I think it was the CBI that they went to, and yeah, yeah, it was. They, um, I don't know, because I think people, are, I think I've seen Rothstein pick them ahead of UConn in in uh, the preseason rankings. Um, so South Florida, yeah, strange to say for that one to be the, my first one to come up. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, and then did you guys see today that Penny Hardaway kind of said that we're going to win a national championship or that? I did see that. Put it yeah. out there that Memphis is going to win a national championship. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you have a talented team like he does, you want your coach to have that mindset. But I think he just put a giant target on his back, and I don't think – I think Memphis is not going to be as good as everyone thinks they're going to be. Yeah, they're really talented, but it's – a team just full of freshmen, and this is going to be Penny Hardaway's second year. Um, so I don't think – I think they're just not going to meet expectations uh, this year. No, I hear you. It's, it's um, you know, those those teams that are just built with, with uh, like you said, just a slew of, of very highly rated freshmen. Yeah. Uh, they, don't, they don't really ever seem to go far or really incite fear. Sometimes they beat up on teams based purely on their talent, but – yeah. They'll, they'll never be able to take on, let's say, you know, um, a classic, a classic Cincinnati team. Let's say that's one of those, you know, got lots of seniors and is really tough and all that stuff and plays well together. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think they'll probably end like start off in the top 10 or top 15. Um, and maybe by January, is that when we play them? They'll probably maybe just have fallen out of the top 25. But I think they'll still be a good team, but not at the level that everyone's expecting them to to be at um this year um so it could still be a good game for us and a good win for uh to to on the resume <clears throat> it seems like one of those teams that once they start hitting some adversity and they're not just dominating teams with their talent and they have to get into some rock fights that adversity could kind of start to blow up in their face and if you don't have any seniors who are you going to look to to get you through that and then you look to your head coach and he's only in his second year, so he doesn't really know what to do. So it feels like one of those teams that if things start to build, it could snowball and then they could kind of go down in that fashion too. Either way, it is pretty much not our problem after next year. Um, well, actually, I guess that's not true. There's a, there's a scheduling arrangement with the AAC, right, where the UConn is going to play like four games a year with those teams. So I'd I would bet we do see Penny Hardaway and Memphis uh, down the road. I bet we do see Cincinnati down the road and maybe also Temple would be my guess uh, for one of those other teams. But um, in general, the overall state of AAC basketball will will no longer be our concern. I guess it all depends if UConn has a say in who they get to schedule from the AAC. Right. Like if it's Mike Oresco making that choice, he's probably going to stick us with East Carolina, Tulsa, Tulane, and home-and-home series. Well, he pro- I would say he would want to give his, you know, his good teams as good of a game as possible since That's they true. are now getting two fewer uh, <laughs> uh, in conference play. That's a good point. Um, that was my, my thought when, when that first came out about the scheduling thing was uh, that that would be the case. 
that's going to do it for part one of this podcast. Keep an eye out for part two coming soon. There, we're going to talk about football, the loss to UCF, the quarterback carousel, Randy Edsel's weird behavior recently, as well as previewing USF with our good friend Colin Sherwin. After that, we're going to close up with some ice bus talk. Their season starts on Friday, so we get a little preview action going of what should be an exciting season for UConn men's hockey. 